no, that's just the building uh, contents. I mean, can you imagine going through your house after a fire and trying to count everything that you had in there? And you've got to document all of the stuff that you've had in your house, the clothes, your furniture, uh, all of your, your knickknacks that your wife might have, your Christmas decorations. You've got to make a list of all of that and provide it to the insurance company for them to pay for it. And what about the memories? That's the toughest thing for us. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today I am grateful to have Kevin Jordan with me. Kevin is with Burger Adjusters. He's a public adjuster. Hey Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey Mark, thanks for having me. Hey Kevin, I gotta ask, public adjuster, two very common words, but what is the profession of a public adjuster do? Uh, well, it's a good question and it's something that we uh, were asked a lot. Uh, typically I, I ask people that question myself and uh, they nod their head and say, oh, that's a great thing. You know, that's, that's awesome. Well, what does that mean? Well, what we do is uh, we're an advocate for people. Uh, it's a big misconception that the uh, insurance company is there for the insured. And what we do is we're the middleman to make sure that this goes in favor of the insurance holder. Uh, so, for instance, if you had uh, lost yourself, we'd represent you and make sure that you get the best possible in, uh, outcome for this. Okay, so give us an example. So I have a homeowner's insurance policy. A storm comes through, a tree is uprooted and is thrown into my house. I don't call my insurance agent and say, this happened? What do I, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Isn't that so you'd the idea? Wanna, I, that's a good question there. So you'd want to call somebody like me. Uh, what I would do is come on out and we'd actually call for you. Uh, it's you got to document everything right and make sure that you're saying the right things to the insurance company. That way, this gets set up for the future and things go a lot smoother. So, why is there a misconception? I mean, they're there for you, right? Uh, uh, nationwide is on your side, and all of the different variables, they're on your side. What, why would we need somebody like yourself? We're asked that question a lot, and I like to push back the question of, would you hire the IRS to do your taxes? And the, the, everybody always answers the same. Well, absolutely not. Well, why would you let the insurance company write your estimate and dictate what you're going to pay for it? You're going to want your own contractor to come out and you're going to want to have your own people do this. And you're going to want the top dollar guy to come out, not the bottom. So we want to make sure that you have that option to pick who you want. And this is in your favor. That's an interesting analogy. Why would you want the IRS to do your taxes? Because they're going to want to collect as much money from you as possible, right? Yep. And but the insurance the, company's here to make money, not give it back. So if we were to have our insurance company do all of this, they're going to try and save as much money as possible, right? Correct. So we had, uh, yeah, we've had claims. Uh, most recently, we had a claim down in the Cape here, and the insurance company offered our client like 20 grand to do a hundred thousand dollar kitchen and two bathrooms. Uh, we came in there and 
they ended up with over $200,000 on their return there. So, I mean, that's, you deal with some pretty good numbers. So, so there is a swing of 10X or more from what the insurance company was offering their consumer to what you were able to advocate for them. Yep. So help me understand the process. I have a loss on a insured asset, call it a home. Most of this is with homes, right? Or commercial buildings or whatever. We do residential and commercial. Our firm focuses on anything over $100,000. $100,000 of loss? Yep. Got it. So we call you and say, step into our shoes and handle this for us? Yeah, so you call us. We come on out there. We're going to use all sorts of technology to help us with this. I started doing this with a rebuild company years ago, uh, and they were one of the first ones to bring it in. It's called Matterport. I'm sure you've seen a 3D walkthrough with residential homes. It's similar to that. And we capture the loss in the moment so that way we can say, hey, listen, uh, you had a fire on July 8th at two o'clock. Here's the damages that happened. You're going to have a mitigation company come out at some point and start to rip it apart. So you want to make sure you show what was there and use that with the documentation that the mitigation company will provide you. So having us on your side will help bring this whole process together. We're with you from the beginning to the end, and we're, we're driving this bus for you when you're going to be our co-pilot saying, hey, look, I kind of want to go in this direction. Let's go over here. Because at the end of the day, this is still your claim. We're just your advocate, and we have a lot of experience with this. Are there a lot of folks that do what you do? Uh, so in Massachusetts alone, I think there's like 267 licensed public adjusters. And out of that, last I looked uh, a few months ago, I think like 130 of them actually live here. Um, so it's it's pretty small group of people. We all know each other. Uh, so when you see a public adjuster and you're talking to him, he'll know anybody else in the industry. So how do you differentiate yourself? Big thing that I like to do is my background. Um, and it comes down to personality. You've got to, you do have to be a people person. We're dealing with people day in and day out that are really at the, one of the worst times of their life. I mean, this is their biggest asset, whether it's their business or their home. So I like to come on the approach of understanding that and communicating with people very well on what's going to happen and, and that we're there with them. So what does happen day one when there's a total loss and people are lives have been turned upside down and they can't live in their home because it's uninhabitable? How, what, what happens? So big fire, it's, it's chaotic. Uh, a lot of people will be on your front lawn and you're going to say, hey, look, what do I do here? This, I got 10 people on my lawn. They're all trying to track me down for my business. Uh, the best thing for people to do is to do research. You're going to talk to some of those people. Uh, not everybody chases fires. I Personally, I hate doing that because um, you're going through a lot. I like to have people think about it and do some interviews and work with that. The only thing you really have to do that day is board it up because there's a liability. You got a burnt up building and you've got a hole in the wall. Somebody goes in there, you know, they fall down, you're going to be liable for it. So secure it, take some time the next day or two to really interview people and get that connection and understand what's going to happen. Get a clear head. 
And then uh, once you hire that person, at that point, there'll be estimates done, there'll be scanning, there'll be mitigation companies moving through. Um, there'll be in a, a meeting with an adjuster uh, from the insurance company. And that's the best time to have a public adjuster as your advocate because he's gonna walk through that loss with them and he's gonna point out all of the damage. So I would go through, we just did this, uh, what is it, what's today? Friday, so we did this uh, Wednesday with an adjuster with a recent fire that we had and we had to point to him that the rafters were burnt to the point where we had to take the whole roof off. Not only did uh, the roof coming down, well, the gable end of the wall was also burnt. That has to come down. And then water from the fire department spraying the place, top down damage, went from the third floor all the way to the basement on the opposite end of the house. So we guide him through this whole process and make sure he understands, hey, look, this is a significant loss here. And he's gonna go back and set what's called a reserve. And what that is, is telling the insurance company, hey, we need X amount of dollars. And it's a lot easier to have somebody do that up front, where if I went back to him in a few months and said, hey, I just got onto this job, uh, I think the reserve is gonna be 400,000. And he's at two. Well, now he has to go back to his boss and say, hey, I messed up uh, by a lot. And it's a lot harder to get somebody to admit that than it is to start from the beginning on the same page. So that's interesting. So what, are the, what is the percentage of people who immediately call their agent, though? There's actually a good percentage. I'd say probably about 50% of people call their agent. Uh, and the other 50% don't call their agent because they don't have one. They went online and they got a, a oh. Geico, a safe... Uh, um, safety insurance or they got progressive and they don't have a person to call that because that's so important right it's the awareness factor and being proactive right in our area you say there's 200 and something public adjusters how do you separate yourself you and your company burger public adjusters separate themselves from the pack uh we really uh focus on, on doing a good job um we talk to our clients. We don't take on the world. We'd really like to, but realistically, you just, you can't. Uh, I've been doing a lot more uh, pre-loss consultations, like I was mentioning, and it's been really helping people out because, you know, you might not have a loss, but now that you know what it is that I do, you're like, wow, there's this whole new world out there I didn't even know existed. And you're going to tell some more people about this just out of like shock, hey, but if you ever hear anything like this, call me or I have a guy for it. And I've been really trying to get out of the average public adjuster image and, and try and change it a little bit. Because like I said, I hate being that guy that has to stand on your front lawn waiting for you while you're watching your, your whole house burn, all of your contents. And you're just like, wow, everything I had is gone. I want to be there before you need me and, and be that advocate up front. And get that really solid referral, right? So that when eight, eight people are on the lawn and this person is now aware that there is a profession out there that your name comes up even though you're not on the lawn. Yep, uh, I had one recently. I was in Pembroke. Um, I started to tell a lot of people about what I did and it finally started to pay off in that area. And 
Uh, I showed up because I got a phone call. Hey, there's a fire at this house. These people need a hand. Um, I told them about you. They're waiting for you. Uh, what are you wearing? I'll let them know. I walked up, told them. The guy pointed at me. Hey, you blue shirt. Get on in here. And I walked right on in there. And he's like, hey, I really appreciate it. You know, this is overwhelming. We didn't even know that you existed. Uh, nowadays, social media, everybody knows everything. And a friend of his happened to see it online. And it just it pays uh, pays off itself just doing that up front. So. So, so Kevin, how does somebody get into the profession of being a public adjuster? So you go to uh, Massachusetts, you got to take a test, uh, but you have to be in the insurance industry for at least two years doing this line of work. I kind of went at it a long, narrow, or long, broad way to, to where I'm at. It's kind of a, a funny story on its own. But uh, once you get that background in it, take a test, pass it, it's kind of a, a pain in the butt. It's one of those college things. you got to learn all this stuff. And then once you get in here, you use like 10% of it. <laughs> but um, I mean, my background alone, I started out in construction when I was a kid. And as I got older, I didn't want to work with my dad anymore. Uh, so he started to push me to all of his friends, learning different parts of the industry. And I ended up falling off of a roof. Yeah, I landed on my back on a propane tank at like 20 feet up. Whoa. And I told my wife, you know what? I think I'm done with construction. I want to kind of move on and do something safer. So I became a police officer. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> Real safe. Yeah, so I did that for uh, two years and realized that it really wasn't much safer. Went back to doing some construction, roofing, and finish work. And then I ended up uh, doing some cost estimating for a big um, defense contractor. I worked for one of the large um, companies building. Uh, they did submarines, uh, underwater oh. submarines, UAVs. It was a really fun project that I was on. Cool. And that kind of helped me work with like the computer side of things and get into uh, documenting really fine details of something. Uh, so in those, I mean, you break it down to fins and nuts and bolts and sensors and modulars and everything like that. So got out of that and I actually started working for a local rebuild company. And, you know, funniest story I think I tell people is I always thought that I was just a, a muscle guy. I'd always be trying to drive through things and hammer into it. Never thought of myself as a salesperson. So I was doing project management for a year and uh, the company brought me to the office, sat me down, and he told me that it was my last day working for him as a project manager and he was firing me. Whoa. What do you, what's going on here? What happened? I said, well, you're not gonna be my project manager. I think I, you're, you're better at other things and this just isn't the path for you. Well, kind of hurt my feelings because everything was going good. Well. Uh, He's like, well, I want to hire you as my sales and marketing guy. You're, you're a people person. You know, you just have this skill and this way about you. You can just talk to anyone. Wait, what? So uh, started getting into that. And I actually happened to be really good at it. I talk to people all the time. I just didn't realize it. And then started uh, finding out that people weren't really getting taken care of by the insurance company. We were seeing a lot of estimates come back and, People were like freaking out. Hey, how do I do this? I don't have enough money. So I started 
in investigating into the public adjusting firms and what happens and how it works. And I figured, you know, all my background in construction, the learning how to get into detailed estimates, my police skills and kind of being driven forward and knowing what to do and kind of taking charge of the moment. This is the job for me. I still get to help people. I still get to use all of my knowledge and uh, kind of push me where I am. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. You took it, you, you, you were able to take pieces of other projects and jobs and put them together and realize this is the whole, this is where I want to be. So did you immediately go to Burger? Uh, I had some options out there. I was talking to different people. Uh, I liked Burger because he's an out of the box kind of guy. Um, a lot of my competitors in Massachusetts, they stay here and they focus on a lot of the small jobs and they'll keep competing over it. Uh, I wanted to play in a bigger sandbox. Uh, so he does the national stuff and we focus on, on large losses. And overall, uh, I don't have to fight with people all the time. I don't, I got a lot more options and I like to learn. So traveling the country, I get to see different parts of the pieces that get put together. So uh, you probably remember Texas last year, they had that big freeze. Yeah. Well, to us, we were wondering like, why did they have that? What happened? I get down there and our client pulls me into his warehouse and he showed me all the damage. Well, all of his water lines are on the exterior walls. His hot water heaters outside in a little shed. I'm like, well, no wonder why you've got water everywhere. Like you guys aren't prepared for this. So it was really eye-opening to see stuff like that. And uh, I can bring that back here and, and add that to, to other losses and make value. That, that's really interesting. So let me ask you this, though. So, you know, again, a profession that not a lot of people know about, you're helping to make more people aware of it. You mentioned somebody introducing you and you were able to walk right through the pack, blue shirt, come on in. Uh, you are the warm referral. You are the the uh, trusted referral. Who do you work with for those referrals? Who are your primary referral partners? So primary referral partners, good people to, to talk to for me. Um, I get a lot of referrals from property management companies because they're typically managing a larger amount of, of buildings at a time and they're more likely to have a loss. I mean, it's a numbers game. Uh, other than that, it comes down to agents, believe it or not. People think that insurance agents, you know, they sell you a policy and they're going to hate public adjusters. Well, they want to keep the money. Well, their agent's not our enemy. It's the insurance company and their agents just got a pile of options for you. He has no control over what the outcome is on that. He's just trying to set you up with what you need to, to be covered. So agents will often call us and say, hey, we have a client that's got a loss with this company, come on down, help them. Now, we like to make the agent look better because then if he refers me, we get a good job done. Who's gonna bring more people to that agent? They're gonna say, hey, he set me up with this company. They were trying to take advantage of me and he put me in touch with the right people, did right by me and you know, I'd, I'd recommend him all day long. And didn't leave me hanging. Exactly. Right. So now the agent probably would get in trouble 
though, wouldn't they? If they were to refer out a public adjuster as opposed to letting their internal adjuster do their job? Not necessarily. Um, so the agents are typically compensated by the policies that they write. And if they write policies to people who don't have losses, they're rewarded for it. Uh, it's kind of like throwing a needle in a haystack and finding it. You don't know who's going to have that loss, uh, but the more losses that they have, the, the worse off they are financially, I guess. I'm well, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, right, from the insurance company standpoint, the, the less losses, the more money they have, and they can, they can spread that around to their, to their agents. But also there's, there's going to be losses, right? So insurance agents are professionals and they're going to want to take care of their customers. So it, it makes sense that they want to look long-term and make sure that this client is, is well taken care of and they know that that's not going to happen internally, right? Correct. Yeah, they, uh, all the agents that I work with are people-driven. Uh, they're the ones that are looking over your policies. They're the ones where you pick up the phone Friday afternoon at four o'clock and say, hey, my kid got in a car accident or my house is on fire. What do I do? Uh, they're going to be there to help you out. They're not the ones that are Monday through Friday. You're just a number to them. So these are the people that really, they like their clients. They want to, to be there for you and help you. They're professionals. And those are the ones that folks want to be working with. Yep. Not the online yep. hoping, hoping and praying, oh, I got a really good number on this. But yeah, you also missed out on a lot of coverages too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like to see, I don't say I like to see, but a lot of the pushback that we get is, uh, People saying, hey, my insurance company is going to take care of me. I've been paying them for 20 years. I've never had a loss. I don't need you. I'm like, all right, mate, that's fine. I understand where you're coming from. I'm not going to argue. Uh, if you do need me, call me. Typically, within a couple of weeks, we get a phone call. Hey, they offered me you know, 20 grand on my $100,000 loss. What do I do? And it's like, well, you, you went with a, a big company that you're just a number, you're not a, a person. So, and you trusted them to do the right thing. So it's not too late at that point for you to get involved. No, it's never really too late. Yeah, there is a time frame that you have on your loss. So if you had something come through, you've got two years from the data loss to get it settled and to collect everything. So you don't want to wait too long, but you know, a few days, a couple of weeks, it's not going to change the final outcome of it. Uh, it's just going to prolong it. So somebody says, okay, I trust my insurance company. It comes in, as you say, with a $20,000 uh, settlement amount. And they know that that is not going to scratch the surface. You can come in at that point, but obviously the sooner, the better. Is that the rule of thumb? Yeah. Yeah. The sooner we can get in there and really start to grab a hold of this and steer it in the right direction. Um, as everybody sees now, there's a shortage of labor everywhere. So some of these insurance companies, another story we got so we're on a, um, you tell me if I'm going in too many different directions, but uh, we're on this commercial loss and we're talking to the adjuster. He gets out of his car and he's looking like he's maybe 20 years old. And I'm like, Hey, you know, how long you been doing this? Oh, six weeks. Well, 
this is a multi-million dollar loss. What's your experience? Well, I was a deli cutter. Wait, what? Yeah, I sliced the meat behind the counter. Oh, was that like a part-time job? No, that's the only job I've had before. So we this is the insurance company's rep? Yeah. So we were like, all right, this is, this is going to be very interesting. So we brought him in and kind of were educating him on his own job as we went through this. And we got to drive this basically the entire way. And then at the end of it, he just had to kind of put a stamp on it from his, his boss and say, hey, this is what I need to do. Uh, they have to cut a little bit off so they always feel like they win. But I mean, that's kind of what we're dealing with right now is some uneducated adjusters coming out. You know, you got some kid telling you, hey, your loss is going to be you know, 100,000, not 400,000, but there's nothing left. So, and there's no real explanation for it, but you then drill it down and get into the granular and the details and the spreadsheets, and you're able to prove out very differently. Yep. Yep. Huh. And that's just the building uh, contents. I mean, can you imagine going through your house after a fire and trying to count everything that you had in there? And you've got to document all of the stuff that you've had in your house, the clothes, your furniture. Uh, all of your your knickknacks that your wife might have, your Christmas decorations. You've got to make a list of all of that and provide it to the insurance company for them to pay for it. And what about the memories? Oh, that's the toughest thing for us. I've actually gone into a house and I dug through the rubble and pulled this woman's uh, jewelry case out and she got lucky. It was just the case had melted and the jewelry got sealed inside of it. Uh, cool. So stuff like that, it was like her grandmother's heirlooms and we're like, oh no, this is gonna be the toughest thing. But uh, yeah, the stuff that people have that are sentimental are the things that you can never really put a value on. And those are the, the ones that really get you right in the heart. Those mm -hmm. are like, hey, I kinda feel you on that and wish you could do more. Would you recommend uh, a young person coming up looking for a profession to become a public adjuster? <laughs> so yes and no, it's, a, it's kind of a tough question. When I got into this, um, one of the other reasons why I liked the, the company I'm with now is he told me to run. He said, get away from here. You don't wanna do this. You want nothing to do with being a public adjuster. It's hard work, it's nights and weekends. It's long hours it's it's crazy but once you get into it uh it's it's a good job you get to help people it's rewarding um so somebody getting into it i tell him tell him to think about it and make sure that he's in it for the right reasons uh there's going to be some some hard times up front there's a learning curve to the adjusting world and what's going on but Overall, I think it's, it's a really good career. There's not enough of us to help everybody, that's for sure. Well, here's the elephant in the room. So, so this person has the $20,000 uh, settlement offer from the, from the insurance company. You come in with a $250,000 spreadsheet. How do you get paid? So we, are, um, on a, we get paid on a fee base. So, and it's contingent on what we get you. Uh, we don't get paid until you get paid. Uh, Massachusetts has it maxed out at 10%. There are some states that are higher, but we never go above that number. 
10% we feel is typically fair. Obviously, the larger the loss, we want to work with people. We're here to, to help and to build relationships. And uh, it's always you know, negotiable the, the higher the claim is. So the person who is offered $20,000, you get them $200,000. That $20,000 service fee is kind of a beach chair on the Titanic, really. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's, it's that same motto that we talk about on a lot of these episodes is, you know, professionals are there for a reason. You pay these service fees because you could not do this on your own. So you pay, you compensate, but 10x, right? I know that's not a a, a typical scenario, but I know from my experience with public adjusters, it is a big delta, similar to a real estate agent, you know, somebody who goes to list their house on their own. You know, I don't want to pay 5% commission, but yet you lost 17% by not working with a professional and getting the most that you could possibly get. That's fascinating. Let me ask you a question. Somebody works with you, Kevin. You, you blue shirt, get in here. Let's talk through this. And everything goes really well. And they sit down on the Google machine and they say, I'm going to write a review for Kevin. What does it sound like? So they're going to say that uh, Kevin's really caring and understands that there's a lot that goes into this whole process. It's not just about the building or the contents. There's a, there's a person there. Uh, they're going to say that I was extremely communicative uh, and that I was on top of it with them and that I kept them up through the whole process. So that way there wasn't one of those times where they're saying, hey, you know, it's been a couple of weeks. Where are we at here? They're going to know what's going on throughout the whole process. So that's so important too, because I bet there are certain gaps in time that they have no idea if anything's happening, but you give them these, these status updates. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm honest with them. And that's the biggest thing is an insurance loss is there's a company with a person on the other end of it and the adjuster really, it's not his house. It's not his money. And he's just going to go about his nine to five job where, I'm going to try and set deadlines and sometimes they move. Uh, but as long as I communicate that with you and say, Hey, you know, it's 4th of July weekend. The adjuster just left for this four day weekend, his estimate that he was sending out. You're, you're probably not going to see it until, you know, Friday the 8th. And people understand that. And they're like, all right, well, you're being upfront with me. You're not telling me that you're going to get it to me tomorrow. It's, it's going to be some time. So we just, it's a tough process all around and I try and just make it less stressful and less uh, complicated for people as possible. So Kevin, you came onto the podcast to share your story and I appreciate that very much. And I hope your listeners will get to know you a little bit better and understand the profession that you're in, but you expand your comfort zone by coming on a podcast. One of the I'm other nervous about this. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm looking forward to hearing how uh, how horrible I sound. <laughs> no, you sound great, and I think you've delivered the story and and really helped to to create some awareness around this this amazing profession. But talking about expanding your comfort zone, one of the things I love and listeners of this show know, 
is karaoke. So what we're going to try and do at some point in the future, and we're getting to a, we're getting close to a hundred episodes. So we're getting close to having this uh, vision of mine come to fruition. And we're going to get everyone together because in that catalog of episodes and folks who are listening to this, who are dialed in with Kevin, I encourage you to check out some of the other episodes because it's a, it's full of professionals and they tend to network well with one another and refer business with one another. We're going to have them all come together, but center stage is going to be karaoke because we really like to get outside of our comfort zone. So Kevin Jordan, you're up next. What are you singing, buddy? I knew this was going to come up. I had to think about this one because I was going to say the same thing. Everybody says I have a horrible voice, but you know what? (laughs) I would, uh, I'd sing Sweet Caroline. Yeah. Sweet Caroline is my song. Uh, Sweet Caroline's a great one because you're bringing everybody in with you. That's it. I want everybody to join up because not, you cannot sing that song without everybody joining in and that'll help drown out my voice alone. So I think that that's my jam. I love it. That's a great (laughs) one. That's a great one. Bring the, bring the community in with you and and share. I love it. So Kevin, most important question of them all. um, Somebody has a loss. Somebody needs help. How would they get in touch with you? So I tell everybody they can call, text, or email me anytime. Uh, my cell phone, uh, I have it with me 24-7, and that's uh, 774-266-0524. Or they can reach me at Kevin at burgeradjusters.com. And uh, if I don't get back to you right away within 10 minutes, you'll, you'll have something from me. That's awesome. Kevin, you're doing great work. We appreciate you very much. Consumers appreciate you, even if they don't know that you exist right now. I hope that you get that awareness out there so that people are taken care of by you and and Berger. Thank you for joining. Mark, thanks for having me. I'll talk to you soon, pal. All right, take care. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Securitidal. Title helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Title, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.